Hi, my name is Megan Hagen, the Kentucky Liberal. I'm uh, here with two really amazing guys, and we have a special edition of the Kentucky Liberal today. Uh, we're talking about the opioid epidemic in Kentucky, and I have Deshaun Aquino and Jordan Prophet, two amazing guys, and they're going to be telling me their experiences with um, addiction and just the system in general and uh, their their experiences with being addicted to um, to being addicted to pain pills and uh, well I mean benzos too so uh, let's get started okay so my uh, first question is to Deshaun Deshaun how many fatalities are we looking at in the state of Kentucky as of right now well in the state of Kentucky there's been studies that showed that the company McKinson County distributed 1.4 million doses of painkillers in Floyd County between January 2010 and the end of 2016. That's just in six years. That's enough for 477 pills for every child and adult in the county. And Perry County oh was at 526 a person. But when it comes to fatalities... The top five counties with heroin overdoses, um, Jefferson leading with 122, Fayette with 48. Those top five counties had 219 fatalities um, just with heroin. Uh, and the reason why we were talking about heroin is because uh, I want to throw in here people that people are getting addicted to heroin as a result of the fact that they don't have access to pain pills no longer um, uh, because the government has regulated uh, these doctors. So the doctors now can no longer prescribe them the way they could before. And as a result, people are self-medicating and they are going to heroin. Um, point blank, you can find pain pills off the street, but people aren't wanting to spend a dollar per milligram, which is now what most of these are going for, when they can buy heroin and it be cheaper. Right? That's exactly right. Um... And it comes with smaller dosages too, so you have to take li little um, of the yes. heroin to succumb the amount of painkillers that you're using day in and day out. Okay, so I'm going to stop right there. Okay, so my first question today, Sean, uh, before I get to Jordan, is I want to I want to know how did you get addicted to pain pills? Because I think that's I think that's like the biggest question. You know, we all know someone that is affected by this uh, epidemic. I mean, it's it's ruining lives. And I mean, we know there's not one family I know that hasn't been affected by this in Kentucky. So I want to know how how did you get addicted? Um. Well, it was rooted in my family in in the great scheme of things um my mom uh she had surgery on her neck after a slip and fall at walmart and um you know she started going to doctors in in bullet county and they you know they would allow her to rotate her medication just however she wanted you know kind of like we was talking about um the government just regulating drugs and these doctors um just giving them what they want just for that quick dollar bill in their pocket so um she had started getting pain medication, and uh, one day I remember a friend. He's like, "You want to do this?" And I had I had to go to my mom for permission, you know, because I, in a sense, I had a bad acceptance issues, you know. So I started doing it, and you know, once I got that acceptance from my mom, I was like, "Okay, this is okay to do. I can do it now." And um, you know, mama would give me a pain pill to clean the house. She would give me a pain pill to 
to go to the store. Like it was. How old were you? Um, when I first my first painting was probably like the age of sixteen, seventeen. Okay. Um, with a friend, and you know, I didn't get clean until I was twenty three years old. So. Well, I mean, and let's talk about the fact that back then we didn't understand the repercussions. We didn't know that it was going to be so addictive. I mean, I I know for a fact that. It is a generational, this addiction is a generational addiction, and it, it, most of the time it starts with the parents, and um, I mean, it got really bad in the 90s. I, I have my own personal story with it, and I'll, I'll tell you about it one day. I, hell, I might do it today, I don't know, it just depends on, just depends on where this discussion goes, but um, it, it's funny you say that, it, it really, it, it does, it starts with the family, it's a, and it has a lot to do with poverty, um, well, we're going to talk about that in a second. A lot of these people that are selling, they're selling to make money for their family because the economy is so bad right now. So I'm going to take a break and uh, give me one second. We're going to get back to this. And Okay, so, you know, I'm, I'm, this is not strictly, today I don't, I want you to know this isn't just strictly about pain pills. This is about just addiction in general. Um, yes, we have this major epi epidemic going on in our state, but we also have a major problem with benzos. And so right now, Jordan's going to tell his story of how he got addicted to benzos. All right. Well, growing up, I really never did any thing recreational um for drugs I, i'd always played music and uh you know worked out to to you know get my fix mm -hmm. as as we say but uh i ended up getting a job at a bank and i was a foreclosure specialist for a long time really? yeah so like u.s bank yes i wasn't gonna throw any names yeah. Up, really? yeah i was a foreclosure specialist there for a couple of years and um i was actually getting death threats from people and the anxiety from that, you know, I was trying to help people save their homes. And really, I was supposed to be taking their homes. <laughs> no, I get it. I but, worked there. I right, totally get it. Yeah. Right. So I was, you know, trying to help people save their homes. And they were sending me death threats, like, to my house. Shut and up. And I thought I was having a heart attack. And I went to the doctor. And he was like, oh, no, you have anxiety. Here, take these. Sent me home with a prescription to Xanaxes. Mm. Boom. That was it, right there. I went all my. Which is so weird because guys don't do well with Xanax. They usually do better with Klonopin. I have no. I don't do good with either one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me be honest. But uh, <laughs> it's uh. It, and we're gonna have to be talking about like the dumbest thing we've done on it because I mean we all have that story about the stupid shit we've done, you know. Right. But anyways, it's. My criminal record started the year I got prescribed Xanax. Shut up, really? Swear on everything I love. Never once went to jail. Never got in any trouble until I was prescribed to Xanax. Really? Yep. And um, it was all fine. I was taking them as prescribed and everything was fine. This chest pain went away. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm living normal. I'm doing what the doctor says. Then they stopped working, so I had to start taking more. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, it's a vicious cycle. Well, I don't know if you all know this, but uh, a lot of doctors, a lot of the pain management doctors, they, well, that is the new rule in the state of Kentucky, well, Indiana at least, because uh, I, I do see a pain management specialist for my Parkinson's. They, you, I'm no longer allowed to be prescribed Xanax, because I have generalized anxiety as well, so. Right. 
I, I guess they have figured out that I, I don't know what the reason is, but um, I'm gonna. So. Okay, so uh, we're talking with Jordan Prophet, and you know we're we're talking about how he he kind of spiraled out, and uh, now we're gonna I'm gonna give it back to Jordan, and he's gonna tell you about what happened with his doctor. All right, so. I was continuing on with my um, Xanax prescription. Eventually, it started not being enough. And I, you know, I had told him, you know, I, I guess I need more or something. And he'd up the strength or, you know, give me, you know, the Just next. Just curiosity. I mean, not to put him on blast. Who was the doctor? His name was Dr. King. <laughs> No, I had, yeah. I have a friend that she, she her, he died and she spiraled out. Like, right. And that's exactly what happened. I was. Going yeah, to see him, geez. everything was in control, but then he ended up passing away, and I had nowhere to go, no right. pills, and a lot of people don't know, but the withdrawals from benzos are terrible. I mean, you can actually die from them, and so I had nowhere to go but to turn to the streets to find a drug dealer and get pills, and unfortunately, all I could get was something way stronger than I was prescribed, and once you have your hands on something... What were you getting? Uh, I was actually prescribed to well, on the streets they call them footballs blues yeah and um anyways all i could find were xanax bars which is like twice the strength right. of that and here i am i'm like all right i'll just i'll just eat three of these and then boom you know i'm on autopilot and my whole mm -hmm. life just spiraled out of control yeah. at the drop of a hat like that i mean it's so weird you said king though just because i've had so many friends that have, he must have been prescribing them like Right, I feel like, and I, I I know a lot of it's my fault, but I feel like if I hadn't been prescribed them, I would have never been down the path I've been down. I probably would have never went to prison. <laughs> you know, well, but you said that you genuinely had anxiety issues, though, too, Bob. So, I mean, like, why can't, I mean, obviously, maybe Xanax wasn't the right medicine for you. Exactly. I think he was just giving them out willy-nilly. He I, was. Right. Like, from, like I, oh, he's got anxiety. Xanax. Here I, you go. And I know it just because of all the friends I know that they they had, they went through it whenever he died. Right. I mean, and it really, you know, I, I kind of blame him, but I can't help but hold myself accountable for my actions. Man, that's great. That really is. You know, but uh, it was just, you know, that's really where that led me, and it was all from one doctor's visit. Alright, so this is Megan Hagen, uh, this, the Kentucky Liberal Special Edition. We're talking about the opioid epidemic in Kentucky, and we're also talking about addiction in general. And, uh, I'm gonna take a break real quick, and then we're gonna, I'm gonna ask the guys the worst thing that they've ever done on, um, their drug of choice. So, give me one second. Thank you. Okay, so Jordan, what was the worst thing you ever did when you were on under the influence well that's a hard one because i hi i did so <laughs> so many bad things but the thing that uh hurts me the most is probably well no probably to it is even though i was prescribed by a doctor driving with my kids yeah while i'm under the influence and that you know i'm saying i'm putting them in danger and i'm not just giving a fuck you know what i mean and that's what's crazy about it blows my mind that i wasn't even thinking that you know like i haven't known you but for five seconds i can tell you're a genuinely good person so thank you it's that i can totally get where that would be like yeah 
And I mean, it just it, it hurts that I'd even put them in that position because I was in this state of mind where, oh, you know, I'm being prescribed this. I'm cool. You know, it doesn't matter. But no, really, I was using it to get high and to feel better. Sure. And uh, I was putting my kids in danger. And, that, you know, that's, that's, that's the worst thing I've ever done, in my opinion. The thing that hits me the hardest is putting my kids in danger. Hey, Deshaun. You have time for me on that? Yeah, I do. I can go. Okay. <laughs> so, there, there's there's probably two instances. Um, and they're both concerning my mom when she was in the hospital. Uh, the first time she was in there for aspiration pneumonia. And uh, she was ventilated for like 27 days and stuff. And um, I remember like my grandma, uh, she had my mom's pain pills at the time. Oh, no. And um, she, my grandma would bring pain pills to me and drop them off just for me to stay at the hospital, you know. So... I didn't want to leave to go home because ultimately I was going to go home for pain pills. And um, the second time around, my mom was actively dying of cancer. And uh, really, yeah, I would I would leave the hospital to go clubbing on the weekends, um, high, drunk, just whatever I had to do. Um, I felt entitled to that at least, you know. And I would go back to the hospital, sloppy well, drunk. Yeah, you were in your twenties. I get that. But I felt entitled where I would go and. Go get sloppy drunk, not knowing how I was going to get back to the hospital, um, and pass out at the hospital drunk. Like, this is sick. I was drunk. And, um, yeah, like, the doctors would come in, and I would not know what was going on. But in mom. your defense, have you, I, I've had to be in the hospital before. Yeah. It sucks. Like, Well, it, it was okay, you know, because I was doing it by the weekend, but then it, there came a point where yeah. I, was, I couldn't go Monday through Friday. Like, sure. I was selling, taking my mom's money. Selling our yeah. food stamps to go because at at that time in particular I didn't have the access to all the pain pills that I wanted. Like my friend brought me her prescription, yeah. um, but at one point like I was like fuck it I'm gonna go to the liquor store and I'm gonna get drunk sitting in the hospital floor and that's what I did as I got drunk in the hospital floor. So I'm gonna we're gonna take a break real quick and then we'll get back. This is the Kentucky Liberal. Okay, so Jordan, Prophet, we're about to, I want to tell you, these guys, right now, we are in a, uh, it's not a halfway house. What is this called? It's transitional living, a three-quarter house. Okay, so, and, uh, can you explain it a little bit more? So. Actually, sorry. The, I'm so the Oxford House Incorporated um, was established back in 75 uh, when they made it for states to regulate, um, recovery housing for people suffering with addiction and um paul malloy had this great idea of starting this democratically ran house sure. um where you live and you stay sober and like we have houses all across the um united states um more than twenty thousand houses um we have good success rate um the statistics say mm -hmm. that if you stay in oxford house for a year to 18 months you have a 87 percent chance of staying sober that's greater than any long-term treatment. Yeah. Um, Department of Corrections, SAP programs. Like, it's proven that the Oxford way works. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I know from my experience working in Dismas, uh, I know we were talking about it earlier, but the halfway houses, they, it's trash the way that they treat the recovering addicts. It really is. It, and it really is. And the great thing about Oxford is, like, everybody has a say-so in their house. Yeah. Um, we get... Yeah, yeah, I have to say, like, being in here, I never would have thought of this as being a halfway house. Like, it looks like a normal house. Like, it, you would never think that... If, if you look at Jefferson County alone um, with their halfway houses, majority of them is located where the trap house is, like... 
Right. You get a house. Really? Two blocks down, you're going to find a dope man. Where in, in My goodness, how do you expect them to stay clean? It's sad for failure. But when you get... You really are saying something yeah, for failure. But when you get Oxford House, um, we have houses um, just in Owensboro, right off, you know, Frederica Street. We have houses for men with children and women with children. Um, and all of our That's houses... Wonderful. ...is in nice places where it, you live in a neighborhood. Um... Like, I would love to give more funding to something like this. Yeah. It's a non-profit organization, it's non-profit, right? Exactly. Like, the money that we pay here it is for our house. Every house has their own bank account. Thank you so much, because now I want to research this, and I want to find out more about it so I can find out ways in which maybe possibly our city could fund. Yeah. It'll be amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, we work with the Department of... Like, when it comes to statistics with... Um, Department of Community-Based Services. Uh, we work with Department of Corrections, the Probation and Parole Treatment Centers. Like we have resources out the ass, if you want to say. Um, right. I mean, I'm running for city commissioner, so I, maybe that can make it my platform of seeing if we could put more money into a place like that. And and also, house is just growing. Um, Sorry. I ended up- all right, Jordan. We're gonna Jordan Prophet. We're gonna ask you what what was your rock bottom? Um, I guess rock bottom for me was really, I guess a big part of it was being locked up, and here I am in the hole in the county jail. Can't call nobody because nobody wants anything to do with me because I have hurt everybody I've loved, I've stolen from everybody I've loved, and this is all stemming from my addiction, you know what I mean, and it really, you know, I mean, it was me, but because the way I was thinking, my thinking process, I was, you know, justifying everything I was doing while taking these pills, but I couldn't contact, you know, my mom, I couldn't contact my stepdad, I couldn't contact uh, the mother of my daughter, couldn't contact my daughter, and all of this is, you know, it was a hell of a rock bottom for me just sitting in like a little four by six room by yourself 24 hours a day no mat you know what i'm saying there's nothing to sleep on just concrete floor and you're really sitting there you know doing some real soul searching because all you've got is yourself and god if you know if you believe in god but um that was definitely rock bottom for me it was a hell of a wake-up call for me to feel like i had no one to turn to and no resources, you know, and when you're in the county jail or when you're in prison, you see some people that live good, they're eating good, they're, really, you know, they got big TVs and stuff that, you know, they're, they're people pay for, and, mm-hmm. and really? when you, when you've screwed over everybody and you've burned every bridge that you've ever known because of your addiction, it's a hell of a wake up call and there's a hell of a rock bottom. So you're saying like there are people in prison that like are living, good? oh yeah, they live lavish. Really? We need to talk about that in a second, too, is how, because we, there, that is like an, a known fact to people that are in prison. You get high so easy. In, right. Like, it, it's snuck in so easy. Right. We'll, yeah, we'll go yeah. back to, we'll go back to that. But I, I'm going to take a break really quick because I want to hear, I want to hear Deshaun's rock bottom story. And then we're going to talk, put out some more facts about, uh, the, the amount of children that are, are being affected by this epidemic, I mean, it's astronomical. It is, it's sick, and we're going to get to that in a second. So this is the Kentucky Liberal. All right, uh, okay, so right now we're going to ask Deshaun what your rock bottom moment was. So for me, um, 
My mom had passed away in 2014. Oh, I I'm so sorry. I didn't realize she had actually passed oh, away. Oh, yeah. Um, it's perfectly fine uh, to cancer. Um, so I started saying my family members, you know, and um, act, all of us actively using um, anything. You put it down on the table, sure. we're using it, you know. And uh, so I finally went to jail September 19th of 2015. And um, from there, I was released. That's when I was introduced to the 12 step program. And uh, I didn't want to admit some shit, so I had went home and instantly I knew I had some pain pills stuck in my wall, and I used them I in your wall. Yeah, like I hid pain pills in my wall for myself. Really? Yeah. Gosh. So I uh, I did those. Um, I failed some drug tests. They sent me to uh, Kentucky Recovery Center here in Owensboro, and I was discharged because I was I, I didn't want to take suggestions at all. So. Um, I was kicked out, ultimately, on March 23rd. Now, was this a rehab? Or yeah. Like, okay. They took me to long-term treatment. Um, so, from that, I went and set 79 days in jail. And that's when I had to ask myself, truly ask myself, like, what's my life worth? Right, because you are very smart. Yeah. I mean. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I had a good life growing up, you know. And um, at the end of it, I had to ask myself, like, what's my life really worth? You know, probation and pro is nothing to me. In reality, it's nothing right. But my life is something. It has to mean something. Yeah. And, um... Like, anyone, like, just from talking to you, I can tell that you're very special. Oh, thank you. Huh. Like, I can tell that you're meant for really big things, so... In re in reality, I just, like I said, I had to ask myself, what's my life worth? And when I... Well, that's the thing about most addicts, is that most addicts are brilliant. Yeah. Alright, so we're going to take a break, because I think somebody just stopped in, and then we're going to get back to... So right now, Deshaun and I are going to talk about really the heart of, of the the worst part of this, and that's the children that are being affected. I mean, it, it truly is an epidemic. We have some cities that, that are having entire families being put into the foster care system. So, uh, Deshaun, I'm going to give the phone over to you. And Well, um, I was doing a little research in between questions, and... Um... I read that more than 3,000 homeless um, in Kentucky is just students. Um, so you're ranging from that age from, you know, five years old to the to they're 18, right. you, you know, being homeless. Um, in the past four years, uh, there's been 2,000 uh, children increase in foster care. And um, Oh, also, really wanted to point out here, I don't know if you all know this, but if you're in the... the Okay, so the money that goes into um, the, the the state is fi fitting towards that. I know, okay, so I know it shouldn't matter, but if we're talking about economics, it kind of does play into to our state because um, we actually pay for kids mm -hmm. to... to be in foster care. Yeah. To be in foster care, and we, we pay for their college. So, I mean, that's a lot of money. I mean, I, of course, mm -hmm. you know... I, if they're in foster care, hell yeah. Of course I want money to go to pay for their college. But I'm just saying, that's a lot of kids. Um, but anyways, give them the phone back to... Yeah, and I was, you know, I was just reading here as you was talking. Um, in Harlan County alone, um, that's in eastern Kentucky, was de devastated by I the recession. Eastern Kentucky, yeah, Jesus. That was devastated by the recession of the opioids where 26 percent of the children are homeless due to the opioid epidemic and um you have children like the it's increased from 28.5 percent to 
32.2% of children removal from houses. Um, and they're entering just as fast right. as they're leaving. Like, they're doubling in size. Um, so, I mean, a, you have to think of the house. social workers, too, that are being affected. Yeah. Because I know for a fact, I have friends that are social workers, and they aren't, they don't even, some aren't even going home at nighttime because they have kids in their office that they can't, they don't have placements for. And I know for my family in its own, um, I had a, a family member that went down from meth lab in 2005. And, really? And they lost um, custody of their kids. They went to the state while they was in jail. And they was getting tossed around for foster care. Like, they went in as a family, um, one girl, two boys, and they were separated. That's so sad. Just because, you know, there's just not many placements for a family. Right. Okay, so the next thing we're going to talk about is, um, we're going to talk about Casey's Law. So, I'm, I, because it's, it's such a big, important, it's, it's, it's devastating. So, here is Deshaun. So, the Casey Law pretty much is re-petition um, your family member to go um, into treatment because they're in denial um, because of their impairment due to, uh, drug and alcohol abuse. Right. So they don't the, believe that they. Yeah. And I have a family member myself that I would like to get on Casey Law, but, you know, they wanted to go get a psych eval. But I've seen people come through treatment that I went with um, through a Kentucky Recovery Center. And, you know, that law is saving lives. Um, the law was passed in 2004 um, due to a death of Casey uh, Whittington, um, who died at the age of 23 to a, a heroin overdose. Right. Um, so that law was passed, and, you know, it's ultimately up to the judge what happens to to the um, person getting, um, for lack of better terms at this moment, an intervention um, from the Department now, of Now, are, are we seeing a lot of judges that are sympathetic to the families, or... Whether, I'm going to stay like this, whether or not they're sympathetic, like, the point is we have an epidemic on our hands. Sure. Um, it's sad that we had to lose a life in order for people to start saving their lives. Um, yeah. you lose a battle to win a war, I guess I could say yes, in this matter. Absolutely. Um, so due to the loss of this, this very young man, 23 years old, and I'm, I'm 25, about to be 26. So to see, um, a young man have to die for many thousands, I'm sure of people whose lives mm -hmm. have been saved due to this case, you all, um, it's a great thing. And, you know. Kentucky alone, we have 13 Kentucky recovery centers here um, long term, you know, so I've seen a whole lot of um, people through cases law be sent to a Kentucky recovery center and succeed. Um, it's it's helpful. Uh, you can be in treatment for up to 60 days, the 360 days, wherever the judge um, insists on. Really? Yeah, and, you know, the great thing about Kentucky recovery centers is um, we don't mm -hmm. make money off of them. The... They are funded by the state. They have they're backed by the state Department of Corrections. Um, receive food stamps, Kentucky housing. Um, there's a lot of benefits that come through long term treatment in itself. And you know this case law is a it's a great thing. And like yeah. I said, it's it's sad that we had to lose one for many to get in a life. Yeah, it really is. So the next thing we want to talk to you about is a law that was proposed in Ohio, and it's disturbing more than anything. And I I just. I, we were reading about it, and I guess I just want to bring it to people's attention just because it's so unethical, you know? But uh, Deshaun uh, was the one that told me about it, and I want, to, I want you all to just hear about it, and I, I want your thoughts about it, too. 
Um, so a Middletown city councilman by the name of Dan Pickard, Pickard, sorry, told a, a local. He sounds like prick. Yeah, told a, lo- a local prick. newspaper <laughs> that arresting those who overdose on heroin or other drugs adds to the problems by straining the city budget. And he's proposed that after two trips of Narcan, that the EMS just stop responding to you. Okay, so if if you let me just break it down for you. For those of you that don't know what Narcan is, Narcan it saves lives. Like it's been known to what bring people back to life after like it's even. Only a block, a block or yeah, but it, it can bring you back to life even after what like three minutes, I think. Yeah. Um, and basically, this this douchebag, this dick, has said that once it's happened more than twice, that the third time you're drained on society. That you should, they should just give up, pretty much. And what's so sad is he makes further comments saying John Smith obviously doesn't care much about his life, but he's expending a lot of resources, and we can't afford it. And he goes on to say we are sick and tired of people not caring about their their kids enough to allow this to happen. In reality, that that's he's just an ignorant man, right? Is what he is not understanding the the disease of alcoholism. Like, you know, I see a lot of times it's not a disease; it's a choice. Once you stop using, then it's a choice. But when you're actively using or drinking, it's it's not a choice. It's our body saying, "Hey, I need to I need to get high. I need to get high." And it's for a reason. You're you're trying to your body and your or your mind is trying to do. You know, you're self medicating yeah. for a reason. And in reality, um, for people that don't believe it's a disease, um, science proves it is. Just, <laughs> right. Just, it's as real as cancer, and there's 12-step programs, long-term treatment, um, halfway houses. I mean, you're proof of this. I mean, you are against even, you know, medical marijuana. I will, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit, you know. Yeah, but, uh, you know, there's other resources instead of letting people die. Right. Because um, that's the worst thing yeah. as a society. What are we, what's the message we're sending to people if we're saying... It's a civil right. To have the right to medical treatment. Yes. And by, yes, deni- yes, yes, by, yes, by yes. denying somebody Narcan, you're denying them their right as an American. Okay, so I just kind of got a little wet. I just thought <laughs> I'm going to put that out there. All right, so right now we're going to talk about what Kentucky d- can do to... To, to defeat this opioid epidemic that's going on in our country and in our state. You know, other than the, you know, the Casey's laws, which we just uh, talked about, um, Kentucky Recovery Centers, they are a great place to be introduced to a 12-step program. Uh, not only that, they consume 50% of the homeless um, in Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky Recovery did for me what I couldn't do for myself, and that's, you know, help me get clean and sober. Um, it's a six to nine month program they help you get signed up for food stamps um they have a section eight voucher for once you're in the building you know because your name's finally on a lease yeah um so you can get you're eligible for a section eight voucher after one year um they transition you in we have they have a life skills course in their program and that's so important because a lot of these people they they have never had access to that or they've forgotten and one of the other great things is it's completely free um, Kentucky Recovery Centers is backed by the state. Um, Which it should be. Yeah, it, and it's a great place to go. Uh, they help you get signed up for medical card. Um, and, you know, they have a non-detox facility, uh, non-medical detox facility. So it's, you know, you're drying out is really what you're doing. They help you get 
get um I'd rather my taxes go to fund mm-hmm. something like this than to fund the a, a war or yeah. you know in the great scheme of things um Kentucky Recovery Centers is great. We have 13 in the state of Kentucky. Um now, what's the closest one to Owensboro? We have one in Owensboro. We do. Uh, Owensboro Regional Recovery. That's where I went through. Okay. We have some in uh, Bowling Green, Paducah, Lexington, um, Louisville. A lot of people here are the healing place a lot of times. Um, and and the great thing about it is, like I said, it's free. Yeah. You know, and they help you get on your feet. They transition you excellently. Um and ultimately, they, they, they teach you about the disease concept of alcoholism and drug addiction. Um, you get a sponsor. You work some steps. And you learn a whole lot about yourself. Yeah. And really, they, they teach and you how to... And that's important, too. Because, I mean, when you're going through recovery, you have to know yeah. why, what's the root cause of me wanting yeah. to use. So. And they teach you about yourself. You learn a whole lot about yourself being surrounded by 80 to 100 guys. Um, a whole lot about yourself. Okay, so um, thank you so much, Dejan, for your time. Um, gonna we're gonna bring on Jordan over here, and um, but I really appreciate everything that you had, all the information that you provided. I feel like I learned so much from you today. Thank you oh, so much, Dejan. Thank you. Okay, so <laughs> basically, I'm just I'm talking to Jordan over here because Jordan, you were in prison for two years. Yes. And he's just now out. I mean, he's living proof that you can be a stable member of society he is where he jogs every day you know like this really is a great program for these people like i mean i i i can't say enough good things about it but uh we we were just talking about the real stuff i want to hear about is like how stuff gets snuck into the prison and you know because i mean it's interesting to me it is and uh, so, basically, I'm coming back, and I'm going to do another episode probably next week sometime when all of our schedules can coincide. But, uh, Jordan, what what do you think Kentucky can do? All right. Well, Kentucky, mm-hmm. what can they do to help us? Well, I could say it's as simple as, hey, go to prison. You'll, you'll, get, your, <laughs> you'll, get, your, you'll get your shit together. But... <laughs> Listen, I don't, that don't work for everybody. Some, <laughs> Kid, I'm sorry. <laughs> some people are institutionalized and they love being taken care of. All they have to worry about is three meals. Um, you know, their boyfriend's in prison, all this, and they don't have to worry about the outside world. They can just continue on. Or you can choose to, you know, help yourself. And that's the route I went. I took uh, many classes. I, I attended um, AA and NA meetings while I was in the system and you know I just had to be very proactive towards uh, my own recovery you know because in all honesty when you're in DLC it doesn't seem like they care too much they try to force some things on you but you know um, it's really up to you and it's hard for me to say what Kentucky can do to help us because uh, I really had to help myself Mm -hmm. and I had to find help with you know men like me and I found that in coming to the Oxford house um, I've actually been surrounded by a group of great guys we all have the same same goals same mindset but um, it's just it's real hard to say what Kentucky can do I know there are so many routes that uh, we can use to treat this opioid that epidemic. we aren't using right exactly for one would be medical marijuana and uh, I know that is a 
you know, that's a touchy subject for some people, especially me being an addict. It couldn't be a, a, a route that I went down, but I'm a firm believer in it, and I'm sure we're going to have to touch base on that some other time. Actually, I'm I'm going to talk about it right now. <laughs> um, but, so give me one second. I'm going to take, I need a, a break really quick because I need to, you know, just say congratulations to these guys and everything. But um, give me one second. My name is Megan Hagan. I'm the Kentucky Liberal. What are we talking about? Um, so basically right now I'm going to finish off what I feel like needs to be done. Uh, first and foremost, as somebody that has been around the opioid epidemic my entire life, like I, I haven't even told you my story and it's, it's actually in my book, but so whenever that ever gets released, you'll finally be able to read about it, but it is a big part of my life and, um, I can attest to the fact that people that are genuinely sick, if if you are going to have the government regulating the doctors prescribing these meds, then you need to have a supplement for you need to be able they need they need marijuana and and it would help out our economy a lot okay, I'll give you another example. A lot of addicts are really smart. And they, they're bored. They, they look for something to do. So what do they want to do? They want to get high. Um, you know, if we had money here in the state of Kentucky, we would have resources for people to do things that are free in the community that they won't have to get high as much. Um, that's, that's just my opinion. But also the withdrawals from it, the withdrawals from opioids, are so bad that that's why a lot of the times people don't want to get off of it. It makes you feel like you're dying. I mean, I think that they compared it to heroin withdrawal. Um, so a lot of the times people just stay on it and they stay chasing it so they don't have to feel what it's like to feel like they're dying. You feel like you're dying when you're coming off of it. Um, so... And I have a friend, and marijuana really, the, it saved them from, and I'm not going to plug Suboxone or Methadone, because I can attest, I can, I'm first account attest to the fact that it is just getting people more addicted, and I'm so sorry to the people out there that I'm offending, because I know that there are people on my list that are, have, you know, it was their main reason for getting off of opioids. And also, if that's the case, we definitely need to make these clinics free because I know for a fact that a lot of people that don't have insurance can't even get in these. So that's awful in itself. Um, and methadone, methadone's $15 a day. I, I want to talk about that. People, a lot of misconceptions is that methadone is free. It is not free. It's $15 a day. So if you have a family that, you know, more than one person is addicted, that's $30 a day or $45. It, that's unreasonable. So thank you guys so much. I, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I want to hear your feedback. This My name is Megan Hagen. I'm the Kentucky Liberal. Uh, if you want a Kentucky Liberal t-shirt, let me know. I, I love you guys. I do want to hear your thoughts because I know not one of you has not been affected by this awful epidemic. And that was why I wanted to do a whole episode dedicated to it. Uh, thanks to the guys at the Oxford House. I, I can't have more 
positive things to say about this. I genuinely, I had no idea what I was walking into. I'm so glad I came. I mean, the, it genuinely, it, it's just like chilling in a regular house. Like, and they're so hardworking and they're so dedicated to their recovery. And I can't say enough good things about this facility. So I really, I really would like to see more funding go to this. So. Uh, my name is Megan Hagen. This is, I'm the Kentucky Liberal, and I love you guys. And I will talk to you later. Bye. The podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.